Hi everyone, hey. I'm the captain, Cap, and we are doing Survival of Us today. Uh, I will open up by saying uh, we're going to be talking about a rather uh, sensitive topic today. We're going to be talking about addictions. So, you know, if that is not something you want to handle right now or anything topic that comes around with it, I, you know, hey, take a mental health day and, you know, come back to this episode at a later time, if ever. Uh, so, yeah, there's an opening <laughs> warning there. <laughs> Just letting you know. Um, so, uh, addictions. I, I pulled up, you know, I actually pulled up a book, a, a DSMR, DSRM5, in my workplace, and it turns out that addiction is a rather complicated thing. So, I pulled up the next best thing, which is Wikipedia, you know, because that's so great. Yeah, so, yeah, Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia defines addiction as, and I quote, addiction is a brain disorder characterized by compulsive engagement and rewarding stimuli despite adverse consequences, despite the involvement of a number of psychological factors, a biological process, one which is induced by repeated exposure to an addictive stimulus, is the core pathology that drives the development and maintenance of an addiction. The two properties that characterize all addictive stimuli are that they are reinforcing, i.e. they increase the likelihood that a person will seek repeated exposure to them, and intrinsically rewarding, i.e. they are perceived as being inherently positive, desirable, and pleasurable. That is a whole bunch of world salad, and that's a little bit too intelligent for me, so just throwing that out there. So, addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to take it from here? Who wants to take it from here? Oh, that's Not an it. interesting question. Not it? Oh, come on. <laughs> take the loaded gun. No. Okay. All right, well, I'll start. Why not? I'll start talking about addictions. Um, as far as addictions go, I've never been hooked on anything, as far as I know. Uh, alcohol has never really been a part of my life. Um, it, my first taste of alcohol was when I was three years old. I accidentally stole my grandfather's can of beer. Wow. And I drank it. And then I threw up, and I've never wanted any any since. So I guess that worked out. That'll um, do it. <laughs> yep, I was cured instantly. Apparently, at um, three years old. <laughs> yeah, but actually, I, I've legitimately never had any desire for it. Mm -hmm. um, even uh, I have a couple friends that drink pretty regularly, and even like the smell of their alcohol, various different kinds, it's just not appealing to me. It's not something that I'm you know, completely grossed out with or will shun, but it's something that I just, I've not really been longing for it, but I do happen to know that like my brain is more than willing to get addicted to things because it's usually uh, like activities. Mm -hmm. So I can get very addicted to video gaming. You know, I can lose track of time and just sit there for hours and then, you know, the next day feel like I have to do that again or, um, you know, there are a couple other activities that are similar where I know myself well enough to know that if I start doing this thing now, then tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that, like all of those, it's just going to keep getting harder to break away from. So I do know addiction wise, my brain is pretty prone to it. I just haven't really had a desire for any sort of the like normal um, caffeine or, you know, different types of drugs, different types of alcohol, like never really had that as far as a, a path in my life so I've, I've been grateful for that as well because there have been a lot of people in my family who have had issues with uh, alcoholism or drugs 
and those issues have really messed up their life. Um, just, you know, friends and, and family, like I said, I've seen their life get torn up by that. So that's where I'm coming from. I don't really have experience firsthand of being addicted to a substance of any kind. Um, but I do have the knowledge of seeing people go through it. So anyway, uh, that's me. That's where I'm coming from. What about you guys? Um, I mean, I am addicted to nicotine. I will come out with that now. Mm-hmm. Um, I started smoking when I was 16 years old. Uh, smoked cigarettes up until I was about 20. Uh, quit, and then now I'm addicted to my Juul, uh, which is a cigarette substitute. Um, I think that's all that I'm really addicted to. I mean, I just turned 21, so I start, just started drinking alcohol. Legally, I should say. Um, <laughs> and I can see myself. These are not the things that you randomly mentioned, dude. Like, what, what are you doing? Whatever, dude. All right, all right. I mean, he's Go still on. protected um, anonymously, and for all the government cares, he's probably in a country where. Well, never mind that. Continue, continue, continue. Yeah, yeah, good try. Good try. Um, well, I, I could see myself getting addicted to it, uh, although I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it. I mean, I really don't drink too often. Um, but and as yeah. we kind of established from a different episode, you're you're pretty addicted to caffeine, right? No, not really. I'm the really? one that's addicted that's to caffeine. Not as much as caffeine. Well, yeah. okay, okay. I knew that, but I was I was running <laughs> I mean, off of the maybe he's borderline addicted to caffeine. Stuff. I mean, it's not even really caffeine. It's coffee in my case, but. Sure, sure. We'll get to me later. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I'll I'll back off that statement yeah. and uh, I'll just I'll walk away. There you go. Somebody else take it away from me. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I kind of am similar to oh, I can't remember your nickname now. Oh my gosh, <laughs> just want to call you Hiccup. Back. Yep, Hiccup. Um, and I didn't really ever grow up with. Well, I didn't drink alcohol when I was three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not experience, a lot of people could take it at that yeah. age. <laughs> it was never in the house. Alcohol and drugs were never in my life growing up. But my first experience, I guess you could call it an experience, with alcohol was when I was my first year in public school. Somebody brought it to class. Um, and they got, Yeah, they got caught, but... I didn't taste it or even smell it. I was just aware that that happened because the cop was there. And so that was, in sixth grade, was my first, I think, knowledge of, oh, alcohol is a thing that sixth graders aren't allowed to have. What is this stuff? Um, but Sixth grade? What? Oh, my yeah, gosh. It was actually kind of Dude. a terrifying experience for a shy girl in public school her first year. Anyways, but. You sound so <laughs> sheltered. I know. I was homeschooled before that. I, it was a rough year. Anyways. Um, <laughs> because the kid was under a desk gripping onto the legs, and the cop was in there trying to, like, peel him out from under this desk. That, anyways, and that was my... That sounds like one of those things that the other officer that came with takes a picture of and then holds it against them for the rest of their life. It just that doesn't sound like a good, fun situation at all. This was before smartphones, oh, though. That if that they oh, okay, he's yeah. safe. He's yeah. safe. No so, blackmail. But I didn't um, really ever have the desire to try and 
and drank too much alcohol underage. I, I don't even remember if I did. I might have. I don't know. But it wasn't anything crazy. Um, but then I would say I did have a time in my life where I was extremely depressed and going through a lot of stuff where alcohol became more of an issue. I don't know based off of like DSM-5 if it, if it would be classified as an addiction. But it was pushing. It was pushing that direction. I guess if that makes sense. Um, it had become a coping mechanism. Yeah, it definitely basically. had. Like, mm-hmm. I would. I started drinking it all times of the day and quite frequently more than I and I had ever wanted before. Um, now it's not a problem at for me at all. Like, I can drink it and be around it. I don't really drink it that often, but it doesn't stir up these, oh, I need to be careful, this might cause a problem for me, because it it wasn't, it was just something I used as a coping mechanism for that time in my life. Um, something I would definitely say I have had a struggle with being addicted to is sugar. Um, I have read some stuff that sugar is an addictive sub- substance, similar to other drugs. Um, I don't really know how scientific that is, so don't quote me on that. That's just what I've heard. But I have done a couple different sugar detoxes and went through withdrawal symptoms, like like cravings, mood oh, swings, wow. headaches. Yeah, oh yeah. And so that's why I would, like I I definitely have been addicted to sugar. That multiple sounds times. worse than when I tried to cut down on my coffee. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had. I don't think I've been addicted to coffee. Is that, I, well, I don't know, but yeah, so that's, and then addicted to other things like social media sometimes can be addicting or I don't know. Anyways, so that, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Who's left? Captain? Okay. Um, so <laughs> I appreciate, I, I appreciate the alternative on uh, alternate on that. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> it's well established. I, I have a, a really soft spot for coffee. Uh, there's at work and at home. There's always a coffee mug near me. Now, I am kind of limit myself to three and a half cups, four cups a day of coffee. So uh, I don't think <laughs> it's an addiction. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, maybe I that, limit myself. Don't maybe worry. Okay. I limit myself. I, I mean, may okay. I will say, like, I have noticed if I start drinking too much coffee. This is really ah, but if I've had too much co- uh, if I've had too much caffeine, it doesn't even need to be coffee. If if I've had too much caffeine, uh, not only do I start getting a slight headache, but my jaw snaps shut. So interesting. Uh, that, uh, yeah. What? It, it's not like a hard like snap shut lock jaw, but I can feel my 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 mouth clenching. You know, Interesting. now I can open it and talk, but when I go back to, you know, when your mouth relaxed and you're not talking sure, anymore, sure. I feel it like teeth clenching against teeth, you mm. know, and I don't like that. So that's kind mm. of a, that's kind of a fail safe, you know, you shall not pass mechanism there. That's um, interesting. I have that, but <laughs> yeah. when I, okay, when I don't get a good night's rest, I wake up with my jaw feeling like it's been clenched, but when I sleep really? well, I my jaw feels fine. Yeah, I don't. That's got yeah. nothing to do with addiction, but <laughs> the jaw <laughs> thing. 
Well, it's a similar response because the body is tense both yeah. both times. Right. So the reason that you're not getting good sleep, you know, either maybe you're tossing and turning, maybe you know, just a bad dream or something. But regardless, I'm like going through your a sugar body withdrawal, is a more. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's it's got a reason to be tense. Like your mm-hmm. body has gone into a more defensive mode, mm-hmm. and with this caffeine intake the caffeine intake is getting so high that it's actually affecting you know muscle functions exactly so that that's why it's tensing up the jawline so it's it's actually very similar and you can see that happen with a lot of different side effects with caffeine or not mm-hmm. not with caffeine alone but with any sort of addiction oh, um, yeah. even even to the point where um you've got runners that are addicted to running mm-hmm. like they've just gotten so used to running every single day that they have to oh, yeah. that it's actually very common to see people when they get injured to actually see them have mental problems going forward from that injury mm-hmm. it's not so much that okay i need time to recover i need to wait it's literally that their body is sitting there saying like you haven't run Therefore, you're not healthy. If you're not healthy, you're going to die. And then you, you get people that have been running marathons all their life, walk into uh, a doctor's office a week after they twist their ankle saying, I think I'm dying. And it's like that. That's it's really common to see that drastic sort of thing where your, your brain just tells you something is so wrong because I don't have that one thing that you always have. See, I'm glad you mentioned that because that kind of brings me towards my next thing. I, I, this, this isn't so much of an addiction. It's just more of a function of me spending the last couple of years trying to be really self-aware about my physical, emotional, uh, mental, and spiritual health. And I, I got problems. Maybe not clinical <laughs> problems, you know, but, but but my 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 head is a crazy weird mess, and a lot of it, you know, has to do with my upbringing and my personality. So you know, I mean, like coffee is my mo- one big passion in life. And three years ago, I decided that I wanted to be healthier, so I started going to the gym. And when I first started, the big fear was you know, uh, you need to keep doing this because, like, don't you dare think about taking a week off. Otherwise, you're going to take a week off. That's going to stretch into two. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, you're wasting your money and you're, and you're going to lose that commitment. And when I do things, I tend to, I don't want to say overcommit, but when I decide <laughs> I'm going to do something, you know, I, I try to jump off the high board because for me personally, I feel like if I, if I only half-heartedly do something, then I'm not going to actually go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so and I don't have that anymore, mostly because it's just become part of my physical health that I'll go, hey, I need to take a week off and I don't feel guilty about it, you know, but there's right. still that dark little voice in my head like you're going to take this week off. It's going to stretch into two. And next thing you know, you're going to be 500 pounds and, you know, you're going <laughs> to die of a heart attack next year. Man, you know? and, seeing you at 500 wow. pounds would be scary enough. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Quickly. You know, and I got to shut yeah, that voice very off. Quickly. So, I mean, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess, and it's kind of like what uh, Hiccup said, you know, like I find myself, I can get addicted to activities too. Um, mm-hmm. And 
I, I think a lot of times when we're saying addicted here, we're saying it in a non-clinical sort of sense. It's just something that we really, really like. You know, there's probably a clinical addiction and a, you know, a vernacular yeah. addiction, you know. Anyway. I mean, um, the, the terminology that we're using is a light form, but it's mm -hmm. still very real. Like yeah, the, yeah. The addiction that we're talking about may or may not have, like, the violent side effects, mm -hmm. but almost every time that somebody consistently goes after something and, and teaches their brain that this is something you have to have, there's yeah. some sort of relapse period. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some sort mm -hmm. of falling back if you decide to cut that out. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, whether it's a good activity or a bad activity or whatever, you know, it, it, it is an addiction. It's just a light one compared to, you know, oh, yeah. you might not be vomiting over the side of your bed because you don't have the drugs that you're used to like those those type of stories that we hear as opposed to what actually happens for these smaller ones like mm -hmm. you know you were saying if you cut out caffeine you get a little bit of a headache or something yeah. like that yeah you know? um so uh last thing like kind of going to what warden said there was a time i know that video games with my coping mechanism mm -hmm. uh not much more to me needs to be said about that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, we did, we, we kind of drew up an outline here. And so we decided that we should talk about how were we introduced to addictions and, you know, drugs and all that, which I don't know. I thought it was important because I feel like the way drugs and addiction, well, mostly it was drugs because, you know, when I was, you know, yay tall, uh, drugs equaled addiction, you know, there was right. no difference, right. you know, and I don't even remember how I was introduced to it. It had to be RoboCop. I, I know that sounds, <laughs> RoboCop? I know that sounds oh, weird, what? but like, I don't like, I don't remember, you know, anytime, you know, somebody took a little captain and put him on his knee and like, well, we're going to talk about drugs today, you know, <laughs> like dr drugs were just this one and big circle i grew up in the 90s dare to resist drugs and violence and drugs you know drugs were always right. weed cigarettes and alcohol and this thing called cocaine and heroin and they might have been the same i don't know you <laughs> yeah. know and like i also grew up in like i grew up in a fundamentalist household so you know all of that gets shoved under sin you know so and there was no discussion about it so like me being really young drugs was just Everything is drugs, you know, cigarettes, alcohol, everything else is drugs. Right, drugs right. equals sin. Sin equals going to hell. You'll end up as a bad guy on a RoboCop and not even like the big bad guy. You just end up as one in a minion to get shot, you know? Right, right. So that was a really, you know, that's a horrible way to introduce <laughs> somebody to the concept of drugs. It was, you know, it wasn't until I got older. I, I, pro I don't even think it was until after college that like I really sat down and started to do the research just out of curiosity, you know, like, okay, this is what heroin does. This is what cocaine does. This is what weed does. And not every drug is created equally, right. you know? So, I mean, that's how I was introduced personally, never done them, you know? So right. there's right. that. I was, I had you mentioning the fundamentalist thing made me think about how I would I would think it's safe to say in most Christian groups anyways that drugs, drugs, alcohol, 
nicotine would be classified under addictions and then anything else like social media uh food sex would be classified as idolatry like oh that's an <laughs> idol you have not necessarily an addiction interesting i just find interesting yeah yeah, like, yeah i'm with you or even video games or like right. yeah it's like why is L- it these, like activities yeah these activities why and i feel i feel like generally speaking in in christian groups maybe other groups too but i'm just speaking from what i've lived in we don't call these things a, 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 like oh you like to eat a lot of food we don't we aren't going to call that an addiction we might we actually sometimes we don't even call it idolatry we just say i like good food but yeah i just had that thought of why is well, it well i mean can i ask you oh, go ahead. can i ask you something mm-hmm. like in in my family like my family does not have is a very skeptical at least the family i grew up in very skeptical of the mental health industry and so like their language with dealing with addictions and really anything mental health it it would may it makes me cry now because i'm trying to be aware of it you know and there's all these nuances and technical terms and they don't have these tools and so they can't they can't effectively talk about these things because they don't have the uh, mental tools because they're skeptical about it so it just kind of they use religious language instead Right. Uh, is that same with you or what? Or anyone else? Hmm. I, I'm actually from fairly opposite stand on that one mm-hmm. because my parents both have, well, my dad was in the social field for a while and then my mom actually has a master's in psychology. Oh, so, um, <laughs> yeah, so, end. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, they both, they both worked, um, with suicide hotline for a while. So they had a lot of interaction on addiction and what it does to the mind and different things like that. So I, I actually come from a pretty well-versed background as far as, um, what they knew about the topic and what mm. they were, uh, able to express about the topic. But I do think that uh, the classic art of religion has its has its most common way of influencing things by saying that they're bad, right? You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that happened as well in my upbringing. It, it was definitely something where it wasn't necessarily just shunned and thrown out in the corner and be like, "Oh, this is a terrible, awful thing that you should never speak of." But it was always considered this hush-hush topic that like mm-hmm. nobody wanted to address, which is actually part of the reason why I'm so excited to address it today and just <laughs> even talk about it. Like, even if it's not something incredibly difficult where we solve all of life's problems, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that is so much better talked about than it is left silent, you mm-hmm. know, or left as a dare sticker on your chest. Dare mm-hmm. sticker on your chest is great <sighs> to a point. That program, it's like it's it's to a point, and you've got to realize that that can't cover the personal experience because a lot of people find addiction because they're curious, yeah, and and they find addiction because they're snooping, I guess, into the topic, and they don't even really know about the topic. They just they just want to know more, and they want to see more about what's being hidden, 
mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they get headlong into it and then they're addicted themselves and it's like whoa that's a drastic jump but it, i mean you watch different patterns that happens a lot mm-hmm. and so for my family um i don't know that it was really something that was ever kept in the dark from me but it was definitely something that was just kind of a it was never a discussion at the dinner table you know it was mm-hmm. uh it was always this foreign concept that's like oh other people deal with that that's mm-hmm. obviously not something that could ever happen to my perfect little family. Smiles cheesily for the camera. You know, <laughs> it's just, it, it was this weird concept that, you know, nobody, and not even just my family, but like all of the circle that we were in, mm-hmm. nobody talked about it. You know, and when I they mean, did, it was always like, don't do drugs, stay in school. Like, yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> thanks. A message from the Lord. And I'm reading, I'm reading stuff now where it's like, oh, Forget, I forget exactly what the stat was, but it was somewhere in between like 75 to 90 percent of people who have substance abuse addictions, they hold down a job. I mean, I believe, like, I believe it. it. Yeah. You got to pay for it. I mean, I, I do remember this one in particular, but um, the stat that says, uh, uh, substance abuse addiction costs about two hundred dollars a day. Hmm. It's like, w- well, yeah, <laughs> like you gotta ha- you gotta have a job if you're gonna yeah. pay for that. Yeah, and it's like a lot of people aren't making their money through gangs or whatever. They're making their money through a normal job and then paying for something that their brain says they have to have. Mm-hmm. So for the concept of stay in school and don't do drugs, it's almost like saying, you know, oh, if you stay in school, you'll stay away from drugs. When actually a lot of the uh, the teenagers that I've worked with, a lot of them discovered drugs because they were in school. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's you know, so the drugs sad, came to school and people handed it to yeah. their friend groups, mm-hmm. you know? So I I don't know. It's uh, it's always been a weird one for me to see as a topic that's left quiet. You know, I will like, say, like, I want to give credit to my family. Like, yeah, they... I mean, there's only so much my mom and dad could have done because this is foreign to them, okay? Like, as far as I know, you know, no one in my immediate family struggled with, you know, heroin or even opioids, okay? There's probably some light alcoholism going on in my family, but it was never a case where it was obvious and debilitating. Okay, if that makes sense. Now, I want to give credit, you know, to my dad. Uh, He never outright told me this, but I think, you know, inferring to what he said, you know, inferring to listening to his stories, I think there was a period in his life where he kind of had an alcoholism going on. Mm. Um, And that was probably before I came around because all my life he was really sensitive, almost, I kind of thought to the point of, absurd about not having alcohol around Mm -hmm. in the house um and it wasn't until i was older that he kind of relaxed his stance you know he might have a mouthful of wine at at thanksgiving you know but that was it you know and all and all the time you know despite the fact that we grew up in a i grew up in a fundamentalist household you know he told me like hey you know having a mouthful of wine or having a little bit of alcohol that's not a sin you know just don't don't let it become drunkenness. Don't let it become alcoholism. And he never said 
as for me, but you know, this is inferring from what I've gathered. He just decided that if my observations are correct, he just decided that he alcohol is that's his big demon and so he was he was gonna fight that demon on his own, you know, and not not have it around to be a temptation. So like, yeah, I, I guess kinda that's kinda how come I have like, yeah, I drink alcohol every now and then. It, the taste doesn't get better. <laughs> so that's why I, you know, I don't drink it that often, you know. And if tomorrow all the alcohol in the world just disappeared, I wouldn't cry about it the same way I would about coffee, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's my one positive story there. But also, you know, kind of hinting at, you know, man, with the Dale program, it... I almost wish, I, I know this is a really scary and uncomfortable topic, but I really wish they, they talked to us kids about this is heroin, this is cocaine, this is what it does to you. And it wasn't like just, you know, this, it wasn't just fixating on like cigarettes and alcohol, you know. Um, this is marijuana. And no, it's not the big boogeyman the government is, the government makes it out to be, you know. And it's not the same as heroin, cocaine, Etc. 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 Anyway, that's my soapbox. I'll step off of it. <laughs> so. so I got the two quiet ones today. Oh, I just forehead oh. and uh, warden. You should you should <laughs> jump in here. Uh, forehead can jump in. I'm looking. I'm I'm looking at some uh, in, uh, statistics. Some state drug laws right now. <laughs> oh boy. And then I'll <laughs> then I'll share some thoughts. I guess. <laughs> Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know really what to say. Do you have any history with uh, drugs around your family, or did you guys ever talk about it or anything? I mean, it was always said to be a bad thing. Um, I mean, I have double—I have dabbled with drugs before. I don't think any of you even know that. I am cutting in and out, looks like. Um, do you hear any of that at all? You're cutting in and out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how's that? Is that better? Yeah. That's better. Yes. Okay. Much. Um, I mean, I was I was always told drugs were bad. I have doubled with... I've had dabbled with drugs before. I don't think any of you even know that. I did. Uh, I think you told me that, you actually. Did. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did not know that, but I mean, I know a lot of plenty of people do, and I don't judge them for it, you know. So. I like how none of us are like stunned or shocked or anything. We're just like, okay, yeah, well, yeah. like that, that. That's very telling to what sort of group this is. Like, okay, when did I tell you that? I don't know. I just, I doesn't seem like new information to me. So I feel like wow. you told me. I don't think I have, but well, okay. I'm pretty sure I you guess told I know me. The future. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but <laughs> I want to put a I want to put a pin into that about all right, like, all this right. kind of this group Bye. of discussing. But forehead, please go ahead, and yep. then we'll come back to my pin. So. I mean, like when I was in high school, I did some pills once. Uh, never did them again, although I did feel good. Um, I think it was Adderall. I took Adderall a couple times when I was in high school, at school, in the middle of class. Um, I've definitely been offered weed before. Uh, I've turned it down, hesitantly. 
Um, I mean, that's about it. I mean, I just, yeah, I'm not huge into drugs. Like, the idea of them. Mm-hmm. But I will say, if marijuana gets legal here, I probably will try it. I mean, I agree. Like, I'm curious, but I also know with my with my dysfunctioning brain, there's no chance of me <laughs> trying it, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, I, I, do, I, I do have an addictive personality, so I'd have to be careful with it. Yeah, else I would most likely get addicted to it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's the same with, like, nicotine. Like, when I started smoking when I was 16, I was stupid. And I thought I was cool by doing it. And I hung out with the cool kids. And and then I just, I mean, it ruins my body. I know that. But mm-hmm. at this point, it's like, if I don't go without it, it's, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you mean if you don't have it? Yeah, like if I don't have any nicotine at all, it like hurts. Like mm-hmm. my body literally aches because I'm I'm just so far into it. Yeah, yeah. That it's gonna hurt to get back out. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I mean, when I when I cut down my caffeine, um, that was a rough couple weeks, you know. And I just cut it. I didn't. I didn't go. I didn't go off cold turkey. And I just remember. Um, <laughs> I just remember like when I was, I knew I was through the worst of it. And I said, this is supposed to be just, just a tiny jot to what smokers go through getting off nicotine. And I'm like, I, I have so much more respect for them. And I, I never was interested in smoking, but that was definitely the nail in the coffin. Like, why would I put myself through this? Because I have an addictive personality too, you know? So, like, my big fear is that I'll try a cigarette, and by the end of the week, I'll be a three-pack-a-day smoker, you know? <laughs> so that's just why I don't... Wow. Yeah, that, so that's why... I mean, again, I was never interested, but that's just kind of like, I can't touch that. Yep. Uh, I do want to say, though, going back to that pin, like... I think the reason, like, if people tell me, like, hey, I've done drugs, I don't care, because when I was in, when I was in college, um, props to my two uh, team leaders, you know, we would all get in the van, because we worked on the ground team, and my two team leaders, you know, we would all pile into the van at the end of the day, or whenever we were driving around, and they'd say, all right, what's said in this van stays in the van. You know, and, and these two guys, yeah, they were a little crazy. Uh, would not recommend them as, um, you know, shrinks or doctors. <laughs> but, you know, I think it, this was their crazy way of saying, like, this is a safe space. If you need to talk about whatever, we'll talk about whatever, and it stays in this van. And, you know, one of, the, one of my team leaders, he said, like, he talked about, I've struggled with drugs. I've... You know, if you melted it, if you shot it, you know, I've done it, you know, and you got to understand before, before he told us any of this, I thought he was an awesome guy, you know, cause he was a hard worker. You know, he knew all this stuff about things I didn't, you know, he was doing his best, you know, having a wife and taking care of kids that weren't his own kids. You know, I thought he was an awesome dude. So for him to just talk about his stories and make a safe environment where he's, you know, he could say, hey, I've done drugs. No, don't do them. It's not worth it. You know, Th- that's kind of how I started to learn. Like, 
each drug is different and it's not worth it you know that did more than all those years of dare in that stupid <laughs> school you know did yeah you know it's amazing what a educate. personal story will do for you exactly exactly and like that got some of the other guys in the van talking about because they, they did hallucinogenics you know and and that's how i got to learn oh so that's what hallucinogenics do you know uh, it doesn't turn you into a bad guy on robocop you know <laughs> uh you still probably shouldn't do it you know but okay so that's what hallucinogenics does and okay this is why i should never do hallucinogenics because all the Cthulhu monsters in my brain are going to become real, you know, if I do that, you know, so. I'm sorry. That was, that yeah. was good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for your honesty, too, forehead. That that takes balls. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like my parents don't even know I've done that either. Like, I've only told a handful of people. So, now as soon as this goes up, the whole world will know. But then well, know me, so. well, nobody knows. There's the only four people who know. Doesn't know your name. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, as of right now, only four people know your big forehead. So you know. True that. Big forehead. Also, you could edit it out. That's true. <laughs> Not leaving it in. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm Don't do that. Don't do that. It was good to get off my chest. Hey, I, I mean, but you know, you. That, if I'm gonna, that's if I'm gonna voice Philip, anything here, you know, like we. We're trying to create an open conversation about com- different topics that mm-hmm. other people aren't willing to deal with. And if we're not mm-hmm. willing to deal with them honestly ourselves, then there's really no point for us to be sharing this with anybody else because it's just going to be another one of those moments and shows where people talk high and mighty about something that they don't personally care about or their opinions aren't real on. And mm-hmm. we, we've got enough of that. It, it's called daytime television. You know, hey, we, uh, we've got plenty. So well, also, like, if we look at all the people that I don't want to say we hold them on a pedestal, uh, let's just say we take all those high and mighty people in the Capitol building and, <laughs> you know, put them under the God camera and look at all the times <laughs> that they've done drugs or, or, you know, struggled with alcoholism. I bet you a surprising number of them have done those done the pills, done the drugs, you know, and that I'm not even saying that to demonize them because there right. are people that they, you know, you did, you had your experiences for your reason. I started using video games as a coping mechanism because I was going through a period of time where everything is just too much, but video games are simple and video games make me feel good because they're simple and Life does not make sense, but video games do, and I can feel better this way. And so that's why I started using video games as a coping mechanism, you know? And I bet you there's a lot of people, like, like they, the opioid crisis or whatever drug it is they did or they're doing, it's like they're doing it because it makes life simple, Mm -hmm. you know? They're not doing it because they want to stick it to the man, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe some of them are. You know, but I bet you, like, all the stories I've heard, people, they did drugs because, like, I need to get through my work shift. I just need to get through this day. I, life is too much, and I want to commit suicide on a slow burn. I've literally heard that quote for quote. I want to commit suicide on a slow burn, you know, and that's why they decide to go into heroin, you know. And it gives them a small portion of, like, euphoria. Mm Mm-hmm where nothing in the world matters. 
mm-hmm. and it's like they can just relax and not, they have to they don't have to worry about anything, and that's what makes it addictive. I feel like mm-hmm. because they want that sense all the time, but by doing that, they're hurting their bodies by doing drugs. Yeah, right? but and I'm not advocating drugs, but that's why, like I said, people go into that because they just even for just five minutes they want the world to be right, you know. Yeah, and there is. We all want that. So yeah. what, what's driving them to do that? That, you yeah. know, when we talk about drugs, you know, we shouldn't be talking about how do we get drugs off the street? How should we win the war on drugs? You know, mm-hmm. we need to be talking about drugs, about why are people getting into this? Um, I saw a quote. Somebody said, it's OK to pull. It's all well and good to pull, pull people out of the river. But we're going to have to ask ourselves why so many people are in the river. If there's so many of them in there, I, I'm butchering that, you know, so like. There is so much addiction and coping, you know, in our society, and I get it. Right. But and there's a lot you know, of coping and addiction that's never talked about. Like not, exactly. Not even as like a, a voodoo sort of thing that you know nobody wants to talk about, but literally like no one's <clears throat> seeing it enough to talk about it. You know that video or, game scene that we've talked about. How many people are on there just because everything else in the world mm-hmm. sucks, and so they run into mm-hmm. video games, or they run into movies, or they run you know Netflix. wherever you know yeah. even yeah. even like i mean that even starts branching into really complicated relationships like abuse mm-hmm. you know or yeah. like um sexual gratification mm-hmm. it's like all of these like super hard and difficult and diff- like dark concepts you know you're starting to get into stuff that it, we may not naturally tag as addiction and we may not naturally tag as uh, a, an abusive substance or an abusive disorder, but what it is is just another form of jumping into the river. You know, using your mm-hmm. analogy, it's just another yeah. way to try and make their life better. Whether that's hurting other people or hurting themselves, or you know, maybe it's not doing either one. Maybe it's just disconnecting them from the world, and mm-hmm. you know, that's neither good or bad. But if you stay disconnected, that can be bad and. You know, it gets into a really, really complicated dynamic of just so many elements. So Mm -hmm. when we're talking about drugs and we're talking about getting people off of addiction, quote unquote, you got to ask a bigger question than that. You got to ask, you know, what what are people doing these things for? Right. Because if we can actually give them something better, like an actually good life. And I'm not saying we just hand it to people, but I'm saying like. If we can help people achieve that, then maybe we can combat the war on drugs without actually causing any more war. Mm-hmm. Warden, you said you were looking at stuff? <laughs> yeah, so I was looking up <laughs> drug laws in our state um, and just thinking about, like, okay, so... I don't know, my, my brain goes lots of directions here because, yeah, on one hand, if somebody has these drugs and there are children involved, they should be children should be separated from that especially because their bodies are more um at risk with that developmentally but also just thinking like okay if somebody okay as an example somebody is addicted to i'm just going to use alcohol as an example since that's the one i can closest relate to they get pulled over for drunk driving several times and you're getting fined and you're getting locked up um and i'm not familiar with what 
the jails in my area, like what kind of services they offer. So I can't really say they do or don't help people with addictions. I don't actually know. And now I'll, I'll probably research that after this. But so like <laughs> just hypothetically thinking about what my life was before. So I, I, I didn't tell any of you this, but I know I don't think anyways. <laughs> but so back when we were all working together, when I was dealing with stuff and borderline addicted to alcohol, I would be, I was so mad with where my life was that I would have to drink some wine before going to work because I would be so mad at the person I was in a relationship with. And I think about that now and thinking, okay, what if that had gotten to the point where I was drinking so much where I was drunk driving? I never, I've never driven with more alcohol than I should have had. So that's a good thing. But Thinking about that, so hypothetically speaking, let's say I get pulled over for drunk driving and then I get locked up for that. That does not solve, on one hand, yes, pull me off the road because I'm dangerous, but how, like, then where are the services? Where's the help for helping what's going on within the person, within their life, you know? And I, I, I would say for the most part, I don't think our system is set up to help people with addictions like it should. That's where I'm going with that. Well, I can, <laughs> I can tell you straight up. Admittedly, I'm not an expert on the American judicial system. Spoilers: We're in America. Um, you know, I, I can't. I, 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 yeah. Um, but from what armchair research I've done, you know, on the American judicial system, everything is geared around punishment. We do not focus on rehabilitation. Yeah. And honestly, we need to focus on rehabilitation because, I mean, I think we can all agree that. Um, all trends and statistics show that just simply locking people up doesn't solve the problem. Right. We have more people in prison. I don't know. I, I, I've been told that we have more prison people in prison now than ever. Um, mm-hmm. If that's true, why? But the American judicial system is a topic for another time. Um, <laughs> I, several episodes, I don't, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? I I do want to throw in another positive note here because I did talk about my time that I was coping with, you know, problems with video games. Um, I'm not suggesting this. Like if you're coping with something, if you're addicted with something, please go find professional help. All right. But I will just say (laughs) I will just say, though, that um, it was actually a video game that helped me realize, hey, I don't need video games to cope. Um, and of all things, there was a game series called Dark Souls, which is all about overcoming, you know, adversity and like beating that hard boss, you know? Hmm. And I just found myself hmm. thinking, you know, massive game nerd moment here, but I'm like, you know, if I survived, you know, the horrors of Blight Town, if I got past the, the, the Crystal Caves, if I can beat these boss, maybe I can beat that problem that's going on in real life. Maybe I don't need to hide in these video games, you know. Dude, that's and so that, deep. It's so, <laughs> so good. That so that was the catalyst, you know. I still have self-esteem issues, you know, and I need a, you know, I went to therapy, you know, to deal with emotional and mental health. That's also another episode. Uh, you know, but that's where it started. That didn't solve the problem, but that was the first step on the road to recovery. That, at least that's how I see it in my mind. Yeah. So, uh, 
that just I didn't want everything to all be bleak and gloom, gloom and doom. So that's yeah. my positive <laughs> note. Well, I think know. I think there's something to be said that like we make a big deal, uh, the you know, and admittance is the first step, right? You know, people have to say, oh, I have a problem. That's the first step. But I think the first step to believing that you can recover mm-hmm. should also include the idea that you have to admit it's possible to get away from it. Well, you if know? anything, I would say, and this isn't just addiction. This is when I'm dealing with, you know, my bad days. It's like, you know, this isn't forever. This, this doesn't have to be this thing that's bothering you, this thing that you're stuck in. It doesn't have to be forever. Yeah. It can be forever if you want to sit, sit there, stand there with, you know, that proverbial bear trap stuck on your leg, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it doesn't have to be. And, you know, each thing is, each circumstance is different. I found myself saying, hey, yeah, this thing in your life that you don't like, you don't like it, but um, it's not forever. It doesn't have to be. But in order for that to change, you need to live to see tomorrow. You need to live to see next week. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, you can't just give up here. And, you know, I mean, if somebody was dealing with addiction, you know, like that's what I, I mean, I've said it a hundred times find professional help but like this does not need to be forever you know you're still living you're still breathing you still have a chance you know go and beat that because you know you're stronger than that mm-hmm. yeah so. definitely for sure uh, i like the happy positive note we've like <laughs> all thrown at the very end we're, we're sitting here going here's all these uh different problems and different different forms of addiction and here's the struggle and here's the bigger question and then at the very end we're like oh by the way <laughs> there is hope like seriously but i, I mean, well, I yeah, mean I, I, if i can if i can beat my problems anyone else can okay i'm a basket of you know <laughs> neurotic quirks Preach. you know so yeah yeah no i'm with you man and it's one of those things that you know, you, anybody listening and anybody here in the, in the room, um, you know, you don't have to do that alone. You know, it's not something yeah. that, <clears throat> sorry, my voice got all cracky there for a minute as if I was getting really emotional, but, uh, no, you, like you don't, you don't ever need to do this completely by yourself, you know, and there are teams, there are groups that are willing to help with different addictions. And maybe your addiction isn't something that is super obvious. Maybe it's something that's one more in the shadows nobody knows about or nobody really talks about. Maybe it's not even a, a, a major one like what we've been talking about with the substance abuse or the alcoholism or something in that sort of category. Uh, maybe it's just something off to the side that you always go back to. And then, you know, there's the whole whole world that we haven't even touched of physical harm like Mm -hmm. cutting and doing different things to yourself to hurt yourself um whatever the case is you know the the whole point of talking about addictions and talking about this concept is to help people break them because we're not really as humankind we're really not designed in a way that's supposed to be completely reliant on something like that you know there's a reason that our bodies 
get a headache if we don't have that coffee in the morning or there's a reason that you know you you don't feel as good because you've decided not to run today but even still there's nothing that should come to be an absolutely 100% necessary thing or at least this is this is my beliefs coming out I'm not trying to speak for the whole group but I think there's nothing that the human body should have to have besides food and water you know that is going to actually hurt you if you don't have it and uh, mm-hmm. if if that's where you're at please find someone to walk that path with you because mm-hmm. I mean we don't, we don't even know who's going to listen to this but I know this group well enough to know that if you're struggling with that and you're not willing to go to anybody else you know an anonymous voice I, I, we will listen you know we're not professionals we don't have that qualification and there are professionals out there but if we're willing to listen then somebody else is too and somebody that may be able to help even more mm-hmm. um, so please please find somebody even if it's a close friend just to talk to like find somebody to get a hold of and walk that path with you because that's gonna make a world of difference you know? and you know if you if if for some god awful reason like the people around you are not being supportive of trying to break a habit mm-hmm. you know or addiction or you know you don't have any supportive voice then skip that group yeah find somebody yeah you know i mean th- finding a professional they may not be your friend but they want you to be better or at least they're that's their job right you know and um yeah i mean you might have to go shopping for a professional but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Find somebody who cares because if I promise you, if you look hard enough, you'll find somebody right. um, who will, you know, even if it's just professionally. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, reco- re- recovery is not an event. I will tell you this right now. It is not an event. It's a journey. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The deep quote. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Oh, goodness. That's a so. whole nother topic itself. Like, That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> oh, we'll talk goodness. about it another time. Uh, Warden would like to talk. Would like to give the addiction hotline yeah. number well, before we close before out. Before we do that, okay. okay. Oh, uh, do we want to talk about anything about self harm, or do we want to wait for like another episode? Let's wait on that I, one just because of how in depth that would be. And yeah. that's like a whole we, another beast. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this prior to this episode, but yeah, there is enough between the four of us that self harm and mental health, really mental health, right? Like, yeah, a whole episode o- over its own. Yeah yeah okay. so good good question though definitely so, yeah. a valid point i i just think it's Spo- something that we're not prepared for at the moment spoiler okay. people in this group have talked about self-harm and contemplated if you were willing spoiler, to yeah. Yeah. Future, willing to yeah, the episodes. here are the spoilers yeah yeah so uh, yeah yeah all right well for everyone who has stuck with us this whole time i just want to say thanks for listening so far before we close out yeah. i have the if if I'm pronouncing this right, Sam SAMHSA, uh, I don't know, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Their national hotline number is 1-800-662-HELP. Again, that's 1-800-662-4357. And they are open 24-7, 365 days a year. They're free and confidential. They have services in English and Spanish. So if you or a loved one are struggling with substance abuse or mental health, 
feel free to give them a call. Thanks for listening to the survival of us. Go subscribe to help us survive.